In this episode of The Godwood Girl Live Your Purpose as a Christian Entrepreneur Bible Study, we are diving into Acts chapter 15. All right, my sisters, let's get started with the word of prayer. Father God in heaven, thank you so much, Lord, for the opportunity to be able to read your word and hear what you have to say. I pray, Father God, your Holy Spirit upon us, help us, give us discernment, give us wisdom, help us be able to take from your scriptures what you want us to apply to our lives, to our businesses, to our relationship with you. Absolutely adore you. I love you. Thank you so much for the opportunity to be able to even be in your presence and and talk to you, Lord Jesus. I love you so much. In your beautiful name, I pray. Amen. All right, my love. So today we're reading Acts chapter 15. Yesterday's episode was so inspiring to see how Paul and Barnabas just, even if things went wrong, they got back up, they tried again, they kept doing it over and over again. Now, I'm going to give you a spoiler alert. By the end of Acts chapter 15, Paul and Barnabas break apart. And (laughs) I just wish so bad I could like go back in time and be like, no, you guys are such a great team. You can work this out. (laughs) But unfortunately, they have a disagreement and they end up separating because of it. But what I love so much about Paul, I mean, of course, we'll see this more in the rest of Acts and Romans, you know, when you study all the letters that Paul wrote. What I love about Paul is he didn't let that, um, he didn't let it discourage him. He didn't let it slow him down. If you remember, Barnabas is the one who co-signed Paul in the first place and allowed the disciples to even accept him into their group because they were afraid of Paul. Paul was killing Christians. <laughs> so when Paul accepted Jesus as his Lord and Savior, The other disciples didn't believe it. They're like, this is just a trick to get in here and arrest us. But Barnabas co-signed for him, and that's what allowed Paul to be able to get into that tight-knit group of disciples and get the resources he needed to start sharing the gospel of Christ in all these other cities. Um, So... You know, him and Barnabas had a beautiful relationship, but unfortunately what what I always take from this is that even if you start out with somebody thinking it's going to be amazing, you guys are both believers, you guys are both Christians, you guys have both the same goals and the same views, even if it doesn't work out, you keep going, you keep it moving because at the end of the day, the Lord's anointing is still on you, whether you're a part of that partnership or not. And I love that Paul really showed out in the New Testament, even if Barnabas and him did not continue. Uh, So spoiler alert on that. That's what, that's how we're going to end Acts chapter 15. (laughs) Let's get started with verse one. Then some men came to Antioch from Judea and began teaching the non-Jewish believers, you cannot be saved if you are not circumcised as Moses taught us. Paul and Barnabas were against this teaching and argued with these men about it. So the group decided to send Paul, Barnabas, and some others to Jerusalem to talk more about this with the apostles and elders. What I love about this is that they decided not to rip apart this brand new ministry that was blooming in Antioch. Um, They decided to go to the OGs, right? Ask the OGs what they think and what they feel 
before we use our own personal opinions and potentially destroy this ministry and this movement. And I love this because sometimes when I'm speaking with somebody who's also a believer and we have a very big difference of opinion, right? They think one thing, I think another thing. Sometimes we can let that escalate to us just ripping apart everything that we are working on. I don't want to be with this, do this with you anymore. I don't want to be involved with you anymore. And at the end of the day, I have to remember, I'm, I'm a human being. I can make mistakes. I can see things wrong too. So even if I am firm in that this is what I think is right, if they're firm in what they think is right, who am I to say that they're right or wrong? At the end of the day, the only way we can figure out what's right and what's wrong is in the Bible in scripture. So now I've learned, I'm not going to sit here and debate with you on the merits of why my opinion is better than yours or your opinion is better than mine. I'm just not going to do it. I'm going to go to scripture and I'm going to see if what I believe is backed by scripture or if what you believe is backed by scripture. And that's going to be what we use to determine who's right and who's wrong. <laughs> so when you have a disagreement with a fellow believer, don't let it escalate and destroy everything you're trying to create and build. Go to scripture, see what scripture says. When Paul and uh, these believers were in the church of Antioch at this time, the Bible did not exist. Remember, this is the first church. <laughs> they are brand, brand, brand new. Uh, so they didn't have a scripture back then. So they had to go to the elders, to the apostles, because the apostles were the one who actually walked with Jesus. The apostles were the ones who heard from Jesus's mouth what he believed and what he said. So that's how they had to check with them. Verse three, the church helped them get ready to leave on their trip. The men went through the countries of Phonica and Samaria, where they told all about how the non-Jewish people had turned to the true God. This made all the believers very happy. When their men arrived in Jerusalem, the apostles, the elders, and the whole church welcomed them. Paul, Barnabas, and the others told about all that God had done with them. Some of the believers in, the, in Jerusalem had belonged to the Pharisees. They stood up and said, the non-Jewish believers must be circumcised. We must tell them to obey the law of Moses. So this is verse five. Let me pause there for a second. You remember who the Pharisees are, right? The Pharisees are the ones who crucified Jesus. The Pharisees are the ones who led the crowd to turn against Christ and to make sure he got nailed to that cross. That's who the Pharisees are. So I find it so ironic that some of these Pharisees ended up accepting Jesus as their Lord and Savior and still are trying to put their Pharisee laws and rules and regulations on the new Christian church. For me, I know with my temper, I'd be like, y'all just get out. <laughs> you have had enough to do with this entire process, right? But praise God, the apostles were very spiritually mature. They understood forgiveness. And this is how we need to approach people when they come at us left. Because sometimes for me, especially if somebody is coming at me with something that I know is biblically untrue, <laughs> it sometimes can irritate and aggravate my temper a little bit. But look at how the apostles responded. And this is how I want to respond in these situations as well. Verse six, then the apostles and the, and the elders gathered to study this problem. After a long debate, Peter stood up and said to them, my brothers, I'm sure you remember what happened in the early days. God chose me from among you to tell the good news to those who are not Jewish. It was from me that they heard the good news and believed. God knows everyone, even their thoughts, and he accepted these non-Jewish people. He showed this to us by giving them the Holy Spirit the same as he did to us. To God, those people are not different from us. When they believed, God made their hearts pure. 
So now, why are you putting a heavy burden around the necks of the non-Jewish followers of Jesus? Are you trying to make God angry? We and our fathers were not able to carry that burden. No, we believe that we and these people will be saved the same way by the grace of the Lord Jesus. Verse 12, then the whole group became quiet. They listened while Paul and Barnabas told them about the miraculous signs and wonders that God had done through them among the non-Jewish people. When they finished speaking, James said, my brothers, listen to me. Simon Peter has told us how God showed his love for the non-Jewish people. For the first time, God accepted them and made them his people. The words of the prophets agree with this too. Verse 16, I will return after this. I will build David's house again. It has fallen down. I will build again the parts of his house that have been pulled down. I will make his house new. Then the rest of the world will look for the Lord God, all those of other nations who are my people too. The Lord said this, and he is the one who does all these things. All this has been known from the beginning of time. Verse 19. So I think we should not make things hard for those who have turned to God from among the non-Jewish people. Instead, we should send a letter telling them only the things they should not do. Don't eat food that's been given to idols. This makes the food unclean. Don't be involved in sexual sin. Don't eat meat from animals that have been strangled or any meat that still has the blood in it. They should not do any of these things because there are still men in every city who teach the law of Moses. The words of Moses have been read in the synagogue every Sabbath day for many years. So you see how they resolve that issue? They didn't yell. They didn't scream. They didn't throw people out. They didn't say, stop the ministry. <laughs> We're never moving forward with this again. They allowed the Holy Scriptures and what they had seen God do himself to dictate the decision that they made. And I need to apply this in my own life as a Christian entrepreneur. And I pray that you are applying it into yours as well. Because I was involved in a situation years ago. This um, church that I used to go to, um, I was a Sunday school teacher there. And I remember talking with the pastor there and, and, and he said something weird. And I was like, well, not really. I mean, women can absolutely preach the gospel of Christ. And he said to me, no, no, no. Women can't be preachers. Nope. Mm -mm, absolutely not. Nope. 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 And I was like, what are you talking about? I feel God leading me to preach the gospel. So are you trying to tell me it's the devil telling me to share the gospel of Christ? And he got so angry he sent me like this long email um, containing the scriptures from Corinthians where Paul tells women to not speak in the church um, because they're gossiping and things like that. If they have something to say, ask their husbands at home. What he didn't know is that I was currently studying religion as one of my majors in school. And I knew the history of that book and why Paul wrote that. Historically, the women in that church were gossiping and saying things about each other. So Paul was speaking specifically to that church and that congregation in that situation. He was not saying point blank period, no women can share the gospel. He even talked about Phoebe in one of his letters. So it didn't make sense. And I sent this back to the pastor and I sent all these scriptures where women are mentioned who are part of sharing the gospel of Christ in the Bible. Mary was the first to tell the good news of Jesus' resurrection. The angels did not choose the men to know that Jesus arrived first. The angel chose Mary. Thank you very much, a woman. And when uh, Jesus got to Samaria, he chose a woman at the well to go into the town and declare that he was the Messiah. My God chooses women all the time. 
to talk about his gospel and to spread his name. And so I responded back to this pastor with this information. You know what he proceeded to do? There was no debate. There was no prayer. <laughs> there was no love. He fired me from my position as a Sunday school teacher. And this happened when I was 19 years old. He fired me because I believed women could share, could preach the gospel of Christ. And it was such a terrible, terrible situation. Honestly, when people talk about being church hurt, for me, that was the ultimate church hurt. I have since that time, even now, I still have not gotten, not been part of a ministry within the four walls of the church. Obviously, I started Godwood Girl. I have my live streams. I have my podcast. You know, I do my Zooms. <laughs> so obviously, I'm still doing ministry outside the four walls of the church. But that experience left me so scarred that to this day, when people are like, hey, come into the church and do this ministry or do that, I'm like, no. I don't really want to join somebody else's thing that they can just turn around and kick me out of when I disagree with them. <laughs> and I can see in the scriptures why that went so left. Me and that pastor should never, never have allowed email to escalate what we were both trying to say. First of all, there were elders in the church who could have helped us be able to dissect those scriptures. Secondly, scripture is very, very clear that Jesus uses women to preach anyway. Third, it did not require an escalation so steep as to fire somebody who's, by the way, I was volunteering. <laughs> I was volunteering teaching uh, the Sunday school lessons to these kids. Um, but it did not need to escalate to that. And when I see how the apostles handled this situation in the Bible, that's how I want to handle situations where it comes to my business, my ministry, even my circle of friends that I'm with when, if we have discussions or disagreements, don't let it escalate. This is in Christ. Speak to each other in love, base it off of scripture and make sure that you are using what God has done, what you've seen him do as part of your testimony for why you think the way that you think. All right, my love, let's pick up with Acts chapter 15, verse 22. The apostles, the elders, and the whole church wanted to send some men with Paul and Barnabas to Antioch. The group decided to choose some of their own men. They chose Judas, also called Barsabas, and Silas, men who were respected by the believers. The group sent the letter with these men. The letter said, from the apostles and elders, your brothers, to all the non-Jewish brothers in the city of Antioch and in the countries of Syria and Sicilia. Dear brothers, we have heard that some men have come to you from our group. What they said troubled and upset you, but we did not tell them to do this. We have all agreed to choose some men and send them to you. They will be with our dear friends, Barnabas and Paul. Barnabas and Paul have given their lives to serve our Lord Jesus Christ. So we have sent Judas and Silas with them. They will tell you the same things. We agree with the Holy Spirit that you should have no more burdens except for the, these necessary things. Don't eat food that has been given to idols. Don't eat meat from animals that have been strangled or any meat that still has the blood in it. Don't be involved in sexual sin. If you stay away from these things, you will do well. We say goodbye now. Verse 30. So Paul, Barnabas, Judas, and Silas left Jerusalem and went to Antioch. There they gathered the group of believers together and gave them the letter. When the believers read it, they were happy and the letter comforted them. Judas and Silas, who were also prophets, said many things to encourage the believers and make them stronger in their faith. After Judas and Silas stayed there for a while, they left. They received a blessing of peace from the believers. Then they went back to those who had sent them. 
But Paul and Barnabas stayed in Antioch. They and many others taught the believers and told other people the good news about the Lord. A few days later, Paul said to Barnabas, We should go back to all the towns where we told people the message of the Lord. We should visit the believers to see how they're doing. Now, before we get to the split of what happened, I just want to pause there because we can actually use um, Paul's example here in our business as Christian entrepreneurs. You know how when people, customers will purchase from you and then you guys will go through that product sequence together, but most people don't ever follow up with a customer again? As Christian entrepreneurs, what if we use our time with our customers as a ministry touch point? What if instead of, okay, you purchased from me and I never follow up with you again, maybe what if a month later we follow up and say, hey, how's everything going, right? What can I pray for you about? <laughs> a lot of you girls on my email list know you've gotten that email from me. Do you have any prayer requests? Is there anything I can pray for you about? Follow up with your customers. Um, I've been having this kind of debate within myself um, here at Godwood Girl with this idea of being a Christian entrepreneur and also being a shepherd of God's people at the same time. So not only being in business to provide a solution to my customer, which is beautiful, all glories to God, I love that, but also to help shepherd my customer into actually getting the results God wants for her. And they're completely different things, just selling solutions to your customers versus shepherding them and helping them use those solutions to get the life God purposed them to have. And I've been thinking about this so much because it's a heavy burden, right? If you think about it, it's no longer just about sales funnels. Now it's about relationship and follow-up and mentorship and staying in touch. But when I think about how Jesus was with his people, the way he poured into them, and he didn't just pour into them in one area. Like if he healed you, it wasn't like he's like, okay, you're healed and we're good. No, he continued to teach you about the word, about the spirit, about giving your heart to God. He continued to pour into you after that. And it's gotten me thinking, especially studying the book of Acts, how powerful would that be if as Christian entrepreneurs, we don't only focus on the funnel, which is good to do, focus on delivering that solution to your to the problem, right? But in addition, what if we focus also on shepherding? What if we focus also on helping people step into their God-given purpose, be who God created them to be? And this is what Paul was doing here. He had planted those churches with Barnabas, right? They'd gone through these towns. They taught in the synagogues. Sometimes believers uh, would give their life to Christ. Sometimes believers would stone them. <laughs> it was kind of a toss up which direction it would go. But now that they've planted all these church churches in these cities, Paul and Barnabas could be like the other disciples and be like, okay, let's go home to Jerusalem. No, Paul said, no, let me be a shepherd. Let me go back and follow up with each of these churches and pour into them and encourage them and help them get to that next level. Isn't that powerful to think of doing that as Christian entrepreneurs? Let me know what you think. Definitely let me know what you think. Send me a DM on Instagram. I can't wait to hear what your thoughts are about that. Uh, verse 37. Barnabas wanted to bring John Mark with them too, but on their first trip, John Mark did not continue with them in the work. He had left them at Pamphylia. So Paul did not think it was a good idea to take him this time. Paul and Barnabas had a big argument about this. It was so bad that they separated and went different ways. Barnabas sailed to Cyprus and took Mark with him. 
Paul chose Silas to go with him, the believers in Antioch put Paul into the Lord's care and sent him out. Paul and Silas went through the countries of Syria and Sicilia, helping the churches grow stronger. So that is the end of Acts chapter 15. And obviously when we get to heaven, I am excited to ask Paul and Barnabas about that. Like, bruh, what happened? How could you let such a powerful partnership fall apart from one disagreement? <laughs> but it just shows you, it just shows you that we are all human beings. Even bosses like Paul and Barnabas who planted so many churches, Paul himself who got stoned to death and was risen up, praise Jesus, because the apostles gathered around him. Even him, this boss of a preacher, even they make mistakes. <laughs> even they had a falling out. So, and they kept going too. They didn't let the falling out stop them from sharing the gospel of Christ. They're like, it's all good. You, you share the gospel in Cyprus. I'm going to sail over here. We good, right? They kept the ministry going. So on your purpose journey as a Christian entrepreneur, if you mess up, and you make a mistake and people see it, don't let it stop your ministry. Just be like, yo, my bad. I'm sorry, I messed up. And keep it moving. Don't give up and quit just because something went wrong. I'm sure Paul and, and Barnabas understood, like, yo, we're not being the best example for these churches right now. They, it said the argument got so bad, right? <laughs> so it wasn't like they're over here whispering in silence. People heard this. People knew this, that this was happening, that this was happening to actual disciples, to apostles. So don't be afraid and nervous when you make a mistake. Just admit the mistake. Admit that you did wrong and keep it moving. But don't let that silence you from doing what God asks you to do, especially when it comes to sharing the gospel of Christ. And if you're like, well, Stephanie, I actually have not really started my business yet. I know God is calling me to be a Christian entrepreneur, but I haven't gotten it started yet. I have a free Christian business toolkit for you that'll help you get started. You can find it for free by going to purposegift.com slash business kit, purposegift.com slash business kit. The link is in the description box of this video. Sorry, of this episode. I keep forgetting we are on a podcast, not a YouTube video. <laughs> and if you're like, well, Stephanie, starting a Christian business sounds amazing, but I'm actually not sure if I'm even a Christian. I have great news for you. John 3:16 says, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believes in him shall not perish, but have everlasting life. So what that means is being a Christian is trusting in Jesus as your personal Lord and Savior. So if you want to make that decision today, it's very, very simple. All you got to do is say this prayer with me. You're going to say, Dear Jesus, I believe that you died for my sins. I believe that you rose again. Today, I believe in you as my personal Lord and Savior. Sister in Christ, if you said that prayer, welcome to the kingdom. Angels are literally celebrating you right now. Your name has been written in the book of life. Nobody can take it out. <laughs> get into a virtual Bible-based church in your area and get started getting to read the word of God. It's so beautiful how he loves you and adores you and wants the best for you. And I always recommend starting with the book of John because it's literally like the Lord's love letter to you. Uh, I did an entire study on the book of John here on this podcast. So if you rewind a few episodes, you can definitely check that out. Sisters in Christ, may the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face to shine upon you. May the Lord be gracious unto you and give you complete and total purpose over your body, mind, and soul in the name of Jesus and give you peace, mercy, and favor forever and ever. Amen.